people need all the help they can. There are too many in the black community that are on dialysis, dealing with these issues, and we really need to stand up as a community to assist one another. Are you ready? You got this, girl. Love Girls, the podcast is all about storytelling and empowerment. Our mission is to share a space for women and girls to talk about the stuff that matters to them most. Love speaks to the support we give each other as we search for our own path to success. L, we can lead the way. O, overcome barriers. V, value each other. E, and empower each other. That's love. Because every girl has a story. And our stories matter. Welcome back to another episode of Love Girls the Podcast. I'm Brianna Haney and I'm 14 and I'm a student at Rivermont Collegiate. Hey guys, this is Delasia Dixon. I'm 14 and an online student at Davenport Central. Hello, my name is Teresa Babers and I am a mentor and volunteer with Love Girls Magazine. And today we have a very special episode. We're talking about the topic of kidney health and awareness, in particular for the African-American community. Joining us today will be uh, members from the Quad City Links Incorporated and also Reverend Kenneth Porter. He is a two-time recipient of a kidney transplant and he's going to be sharing his story and we're gonna be learning about how we can protect our own health and the health of our loved ones in our community. So to uh, get us started, um, I would like to introduce Tori and uh, you could say a little bit um, about yourself and about this campaign for kidney awareness that brought us to this conversation. Yeah, sure. My name is Tori Smith. I'm a member of the Quad Cities chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. Um, we are excited about this Black Care Initiative. Uh, care means kidney awareness, resources, and education. Um, we applied for this grant through our central area, um, funded by Baxter International, um, to bring kidney awareness to the African American community. Thank you so much for being here. I also want to introduce Miss Juanita B. Um, she has been a member of the Quad City Chapter of the links since 2011. Uh, she has a variety of responsibilities, including um, assisting with this initiative for kidney awareness. So welcome uh, Quad City Links and Reverend Porter. So we have our young people here with us today and they have composed some questions for us to talk about, but we're gonna be having a conversation um, also in general um, about this very important topic as well as the questions our students may have. So, Brianna, Delasia, who would like to ask the first question? So I have a question for like all of you guys in the organization. So how did you like get involved with this? I can speak to that a little bit. Um, Tori uh, Smith, who is our chairperson for health and human um, services facet which is basically a committee um, she applied for a grant um, through our central area and was awarded the grant and our president of our organization approached us about the black hair initiative which is kidney awareness 
And when she presented it to the organization, it hit home with me because my mother had um, chronic kidney disease and she, she died several years ago. And as you know, part of that was from kidney disease. I just felt compelled to be a part of this initiative to bring awareness to um, our community. You know, as we're aware, you know, there's such a disparity in um, medication, treatment, education, you know, when it comes to uh, things like this. Is it true that African-Americans are more prone to kidney disease or does it occur more frequently within the African-American community? I think that the reason that we see it more so in the African-American uh, community is because we don't have the resources that is provided to other groups of people. Um, like when my mother was diagnosed with kidney disease, we didn't even know how it would be treated. She would be going to a dialysis kidney center. She would be doing that several times a week. Um, she would have to, you know, be hospitalized to have port put in her arm, which is called a fistula, so that she could receive treatment. And all of that just goes back to um, lack of resource, you mm -hmm. know, that I think is so unfortunately prevalent in the black community. How do you know if you have kidney disease or failure? Like, are there any signs that you can See well, there are uh, there's a, there are a number of signs that uh, can be prevalent uh, with kidney disease. Uh, primarily, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, and I find that one of the things that uh, really brings it home for a lot of people is that 50 percent or more of the U.S. population, and probably more in the Black community, are on an everyday basis severely dehydrated and the kidneys do not get the uh, fluids that they need to, to sustain themselves. But primarily high blood pressure, uh, diet, exercise, all these things contribute to it. And, as far, and some things are hereditary also. What are the functions of your kidneys for your, your body? Your kidneys basically are the filters of your body. Uh, you have two filtering processes. You have your, your liver, which is uh, also a filter, and your kidneys filter out all the, the gunk in your system, all the fluids that you take in and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the foods and things that you eat. It takes and, and processes the bad, removes it from your body as waste product, and the rest of it goes uh, throughout your body as nutrients. So they are a filtering system. Um, do you think you could tell us about your life before the kidney problem started? Well, I was... Uh, working. I was somewhat athletic. I loved to play golf and basketball and all those sorts of things. Uh, I like to keep going. And um, it was about uh, 20, 25 years ago, I noticed I had a problem with uh, high blood pressure. And um, as uh, Juanita was saying just a moment ago, there is a problem primarily in the uh, poor and the black communities where there is not a lot of knowledge out there about kidney disease. And I had a physician at the time who really did not take it seriously 
as far as to go in in depth to find out what was going on with me. He basically treated me for high blood pressure and didn't really go beyond that. And uh, subsequently, uh, after a year and a half of treating me for high blood pressure without any further testing, uh, I found out at the last moment that uh, both my kidneys had uh, failed and uh, were beyond repair. How is your life now with your kidney diseases? 20 years ago, I had my first kidney transplant. I did dialysis for a period of two years. And kidney dialysis is the, uh, the artificial, uh, uh, a way to artificially sustain your kidneys. They do the, uh, it is a machine in which you're hooked up to and uh, it has a process of removing all the fluids from your body, the bad fluids and the fluids from your body when your kidneys aren't working. I did that for two years uh, before my uh, younger brother uh, donated one of his kidneys to me. And uh, that for a period of about 14 to 15 years put me back um, doing things that I like to do, just everyday things, things that a lot of people take for granted. Um, when you're sick with kidney disease, the very idea of taking a walk down the street, down a block or two, it's almost uh, unimaginable uh, to do that. It just, uh, it's, it's a thing that just wears your body down where you're not able to do much of anything. Dr. Tiffany Stoner Harris is the owner and clinical director of Three Daughters Strong Hearts Counseling and Wellness Center in Rock Island. She is also an assistant professor at Adler University, Chicago. Her counseling specialties include PTSD and trauma, including a specific focus on Black, Indigenous, and people of color. What I want to talk to you about is mental health and how our mental health is impacted when we're dealing with a chronic serious illness. So thank you for asking. Um, we often think about the physical impact of dealing with a, a chronic illness, such as kidney disease, um, but it is important to also think about how people are managing the, maybe the news of having a chronic disease, uh, maybe the impact that it is actually having on their physical health. So that interaction between the, the physical and mental is really important. Or, you know, maybe even the impact to their, their family structure or dynamics around them. So um, one thing to be aware of is depression. Um, you know, people might uh, find themselves feeling a sadness, you know, for the things that they are losing, whether that's their physical abilities, or just the stressors that they're dealing with due to the illness, the need to constantly be going to the doctor and not being able to really focus on other areas of their life, sometimes losing some of those other areas of their life. So, um, you know, if they were employed and they're no longer able to uh, go to work, no longer able to socialize with their, you know, co their colleagues or coworkers, 
Um, they may also find themselves losing some friends. And I say losing, meaning people not coming around. You know, sometimes people don't come around because they don't know what to say. Or that could leave that person feeling lonely, isolated, um, which could in turn increase the depression. They may also experience anxiety, you know, anxiety around not knowing uh, what's next, you know, in terms of their illness. The other thing to think about is grief. When people are dealing with a chronic illness or something like kidney disease, there may be a loss. You know, they may, we think of loss as death, but, you know, those losses of friendship or companionship or work, um, being able to get up and just go, you know, when they want to, um, there can be some grief around the loss of those things um, because of not, no longer being able to engage in those same ways. What, if anything, can friends and family do to help people through that process, I guess, as they move toward acceptance or getting more comfortable living with kidney disease? Really just being present. Sometimes we, we think, you know, to be present means that we have to have all the answers. We have to be able to help that person overcome the sadness or overcome whatever else they're feeling, whatever feelings they have. Uh, sometimes all they need is for us to just be present, you know, as family members, as friends, so that, you know, that isolation, that loneliness isn't as prevalent, you know, and that they have the ability to maybe process some of what they're dealing with, with someone who they trust, um, who's, you know, again, family or friends. The other thing for family and friends to think about is sometimes even just seeing a loved one struggle with such a chronic um, condition uh, might be, you know, seeking some kind of services for themselves, you know, some kind of support services for themselves. Um, because again, that can, in, in the same way that it impacts the person dealing with the uh, kidney disease or chronic illness, it can, it can also impact their caregivers in the same way. Yeah, having um, been a caretaker for someone who had a serious illness, I would say that just talking to other people who were going through the same thing seemed to help me. Um, but I would imagine that, you know, a formal counseling could be helpful as well. Whether it's the person kind of managing the illness or if it becomes something terminal, because part of that process um, could could be, you know, adjustment or transition, you know, either or, but really giving a person the um, support that they need for your loved one, but also for yourself. You know, if you are the loved one, um, supporting or caregiving for someone um, living with kidney disease, um, giving yourself the opportunity to really work through, process through some of what's happening. Yes. Well, thank you. If there's anything else that you would like to add that you might think would be uh, helpful for people to consider who are dealing with this issue. I would just say keep self-care in mind, whether you are the person living with kidney disease or again, a caretaker or a loved one. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean taking extended vacations, but it could be something small throughout the day that really kind of helps alleviate some of the stress, helps you really kind of focus on self and minimize the the impact of, you know, just carrying around 
that unresolved stress. And so really finding something, something simple. So if you like to, you know, if you like to read, if you like to listen to music, if you like to meditate, if you like to take walks, you know, going in, I would say even in like your backyard or front yard and just walking, you know, to your neighbor's house, you know, because if you're dealing with the illness, it may not be um, realistic to think that, you know, to get out and actually walk around the neighborhood. But, you know, it might be nice to just get some fresh air and get outside, sit on the porch. And so thinking about what that self-care may need to look like. I would like to welcome uh, Georgina Hicks. She is a board member for Love Girls Magazine, and she's been a volunteer and a supporter of the magazine for years. Um, she is also um, the recipient of a kidney transplant, and so she is joining us with Reverend Ken Porter, um, as we talk about the impact of dealing with a chronic illness and about kidney disease. So I think I'm going to uh, start with you, Gina. Okay. Um, now, I understand that you had a kidney transplant a couple of years ago, and we've talked about how, you know, kidney disease is disproportionately affecting the black community. Can you talk about what maybe some of your risk factors were um, with kidney disease or some reasons that they thought you may have developed uh, kidney disease or do they not know why? How it started out was that um, I was going to a general practitioner, practitioner. Yeah. Um, and he was actually monitoring my high blood pressure and diabetes. And so those are two of the most common reasons that your kidney will fail. And they really think that it was because of my type 2 diabetes that kind of took over and started affecting my kidney. And so how did you discover that you had a problem? Did you know what the symptoms were? No, I did not. Um, what I was told was that because I had a lot of protein in my urine, by that doctor, he sent me to a, a kidney doctor. At that time, I just thought that that was um, par for course. Like if they saw that, um, they would send you because that had affected or was related to a problem with your kidney. I really didn't know that there was anything wrong. I thought that was going to fix it because it was never explained to me that you're going to this kidney doctor because we see a chance of your kidneys failing. Um, I'll ask you uh, the same question, uh, Reverend Porter. Did you realize that you were having kidney issues when they began? No, at the, at the time in the, in the year 2000, uh, while being knowledgeable about some things that were going on with my body, I had no idea of, uh, of anything about my kidneys. And, and unfortunately, the doctor that I had at the time um, I won't go so far as to say that he was negligent, but he did not um, want to go further as far as investigating uh, the problems of my high blood pressure. And uh, if I 
knew then what I know now, I would have pushed sooner uh, to get a second opinion and even a third opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, adequate medical care and access to medical care uh, certainly has just been an issue historically for a lot of people. With Love Girls, the podcast, we obviously have an audience of young people as well as adults. Um, some of our young people have asked questions um, during this podcast, but I want to um, address if and when kidney failure can be a concern for younger people. So I know in having a conversation um, with Gina previously, um, she had talked about a young woman who was only 20, but had kidney failure. Do we know why young people might have kidney failure and is it very common? Well, it's, uh, it's just like anything with uh, juvenile cancer, diabetes, and other things. Basically, in the African-American community, uh, that African-Americans are three times uh, likely to develop uh, kidney disease, end-stage uh, 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 renal disease, and things of this nature. And we really don't know the reasons why. We, a lot of it is uh, uh, passed down through uh, g uh, genetics mm -hmm. and things such as that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things I would think that you would think about as a young woman would be pregnancy. And if you experience kidney failure or you're on dialysis or you've received a kidney transplant, um, what do we know about people who want to have babies that have had kidney failure or on dialysis? Well, your kidneys, uh, number one, are uh, uh, play a large role in your blood pressure. And uh, most commonly, uh, a female that uh, wants to uh, conceive and, and get pregnant, having only one kidney, uh, the, whole, the whole scenario becomes uh, an even, even greater ordeal for them, uh, dealing with uh, blood pressure issues, preeclampsia, and things of this nature because it is harder on their body, uh, being that they don't have the, uh, the full brunt of protection uh, of bo having both kidneys. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that you know pregnancy is pretty hard probably on all of the organs um, because of the work that the body has to do. And so it would seem that a young woman would just have to decide if those are risks that she wants to take in order to be able to have a baby. I want to talk specifically um, about the black community and um, why um, people in the black community might be, let's say, reluctant to uh, go to a kidney screening or might be reluctant to give a kidney if they have um, two healthy kidneys. Um, now, I'm not an expert in this area, but one of the things that I have thought about is just there's sometimes this sense of distrust. You know, and I think we saw this play out in COVID 
some people didn't trust the vaccine, some people trusted the vaccine, um, you know, and there was a whole kind of conversation that started then. So um, what do we know about how safe it is to give someone a kidney? Actually, I believe um, that it is a safe procedure, and but the problem is, is that it's, you have to find a match. And the person, the donor needs to be extremely healthy. Um, and so for me, I did, I got on the waiting list and I did the paired donation. Um, and so I kind of was just out there waiting. Um, but I think that people are reluctant to donate a kidney for many reasons. Um, and actually I had quite a few people who got tested, but they just didn't, it was one thing or another. You know, um, they just didn't, couldn't donate. Um, so in my experience, there wasn't a lot of reluctancy. Um, actually, I had a lot of people ask me how, how could they help and how could they get tested to see if they could give me a mm. kidney. Did you get a kidney from someone you know? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, I did. Um, I get my kidney from... Um, my adopted sister, and so and so, it wasn't actually a relative at all. Not at all. Wow. Nope. That's great. Um, I have been friends with her sister, um, probably over twenty years, and so I had kind of became part of their family. You know, I had to start dialysis, and she asked, "What could she do to help?" And so that's how I ended up with my kidney. Uh, there is a reluctancy in the black community, uh, and a lot of it has, is uh, actually historically based. Of course, uh, many people have heard of the Tuskegee experiment and different experiments that were done on uh, uh, slaves and, and even after slavery on African Americans and, and other uh, people of uh, uh, different races uh, in this country and around the world. But I, uh, I urge people today to do your research, things are a lot, a lot more open than they have been. We have access to uh, a great deal of information. It's 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 virtually, like I said, it's not without risk. Anytime uh, that you're in surgery, there is a risk of failure. Um, but we really have to, in the black community, look out not only for one another, but for people that are in need. And if you are healthy. Um, and you don't want to donate right now, sign your donor card. I, I implore people. People need all the help they can. There are too many in the black community that are on dialysis, dealing with these issues, and we really need to stand up as a community to assist one another. Well, I have signed um, my donor card, but you know, it's probably been within the last several years. Um, we had a young woman who um, we featured in the magazine and she had a living donor as a liver transplant. And that really got me thinking about um, signing the back of my card. It's not that I ever thought I wouldn't want that to happen. It's just that I hadn't bothered to do it. So um, I do think it's great that people are willing to share their stories because it makes a difference. You know, it, it made me the next time I went in to get my driver's license, make sure I signed the back of my car. Because um, because of uh, 
Carly, she said, well, you can't take those organs to heaven with you, so you might as well let somebody else use them. So that, that made a lot of sense to me. That stuck with me. Yeah, I, I guess since they started that program, I've always been a donor because of that reason. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with them, mm-hmm. you know, once I'm gone? Right. And if it can help someone else, yeah. so be it. Yeah. Uh, people uh, don't understand. You can live your, uh, you can live a normal life with one kidney, as long as you uh, remain healthy. My brother, uh, that donated a kidney to me in 2002, still is very. Uh, he's an avid uh, camper. He likes to get out and go, and uh, it hasn't slowed him down one bit. Mm-hmm. But it, I was very grateful uh, for the gift of life that he did give me. And I urge people once again, if you know somebody, whether they be family, friend, or just a complete stranger that you can help out. And if you're healthy and want to help give someone the gift of life, you can donate your kidney while you're living, while you're here. and say that they had found a kidney because I didn't know if like you know it'd be like mixed feelings Mm -hmm. or you're just like no this is what I've been waiting for you know mixed feelings in terms of you know will this work or you know but I guess right thank you lord right right and it's I think it's the at in the very end it's the same Mm -hmm. you know like things are getting ready to change mm-hmm. and they're going to be better and you know but it's a difference in knowing when you're going right. as opposed to Just getting it. that call yeah and not even knowing if right. was going to call yeah. or yeah, I had, yeah. No, I had no clue. no idea you know they and told I mean, me I was getting close to the top but I had no clue of when you know and it, and you can be on the list for a, long, a time. long time and you know you could might not even be close to the top, but something somebody will come through that just fits everything that yep. all your antigens and everything that yeah. matches up. And you had a lot of people who tested, but you didn't know if there. Uh, was no, a... I didn't have anybody tested at that oh, point. Okay. Uh, uh, last, uh, you know, in the last few years, okay. because I didn't, um, I didn't even, I didn't even want anybody mm. to, uh, you know, you, you, I, we go through that sometime you know that is um kind of a good segue into the mental health Mm -hmm. portion that um i think is so important to address you're talking about you're dealing with this chronic illness you got all these things going on you got this stuff going on um for your family um what was your mental health like at that time um, and was getting, finding out that you were going to get a kidney enough to change your outlook by itself? Well, like you said, dealing with any type of chronic illness, um, that time in life comes for a person when they have to face their own mortality, so to speak. Uh, we all know that we're just here for a season, but when you, when things of this nature come upon you, uh, it weighs heavily on you uh, spiritually, mentally, and of course we do know the physical aspects of it. 
but it just it uh, you spend time wondering all sorts of things like what could I have done to change the outcome of this? Is it something that I did wrong? Uh, maybe my diet. There's so many things that flood your mind uh, about why you are in this particular situation. And um, I was good in the beginning when I found out that I had kidney disease. When the doctor called me and my wife into the office in 2000 and told me the first words out of my mouth were, why me? And after just a few minutes, I thought about everybody else and I said, why not me? What distinguishes me from everybody else in the world that has to go is through issues? Mm -hmm. And I was good and I was a standard bearer, but you know what? Um, we are, we try to portray each other as being strong, uh, but in actuality, we're, we're very uh, feeble because we understand that we have no control over anything that goes on. And I think that's where the mental aspect, because the world tries to teach us that we need to be strong in every situation. And I don't mean to get biblical, but we are to actually ask God to continually make us weak in order to ask and to receive his strength. Because when we say we have all the strength or we're strong and this and that, that insinuates that we have control and we don't have control over tomorrow. We don't have control over our next breath. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, the mental aspect, without my faith, uh, the mental uh, aspect of it would have really took me out. And it almost did because there was a time, uh, as I was just telling my sister here, that a few years ago that I gave up and I stopped dialysis. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took uh, uh, mental health, health experts as well as uh, uh, my spiritual, uh, my pastor, uh, to put me back on, on the correct footing. And I thank God for that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like just the process of dialysis and uh, takes something out of you in addition to the, knowing that you have a health concern. It, it it does, you know, um, and just as um, the Reverend said that it is a why me question, you know. Um, when I thought about it, I kind of talked to you guys about my grandfather passed from kidney disease. And I'm like, none of his kids got it, so now it skipped a generation and I'm the one. You know, none of my cousins, nothing. It was me. I'm the baby of the bunch. <laughs> and it's like... You know, but yeah, it was a lot. You know, I was, I had raised my kids a lot, pretty much as a single mom. And so they were off in the world and I was ready to enjoy things that, you know, I couldn't. And then bam, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of knocked me down because mm -hmm. I couldn't. Um, so I had to readjust my focus and like, the Reverend said, you don't know from day to day what is going to happen. Um, and that's truly how I feel. And I just said, you know what? Let me think of it as this is part of the plan. This was, my life was planned already. It's not about me. It's about what um, God has for me. And so I just, you know, every day I was like, okay, what's going to happen today? Mm -hmm. I urge young young uh, men and young women 
to remember the fact that we all fall down, we all get knocked down. It's not how many times you get knocked down, but it's how many times you get back up. Mm-hmm. And it's the getting up that makes us who we are, that gives us uh, to be an example to those coming after us, our children, our family, our friends. Uh, so always be be really willing and ready to put up a fight. Mm-hmm. Don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, some of these health things that you uh, talked about in terms of high blood pressure and diabetes. So I assume that some of the things we can do for prevention, um, although prevention is not guaranteed because it could be uh, genetic and um, some people, things are controlled by the things that they do and sometimes it's not. But I guess if we're trying to do prevention, then I guess, you know, things like, you know, maintaining our blood pressure. I know that blood pressure is a silent killer but if you get it treated, it can probably prevent a lot of damage to your kidneys. I know that about a year ago, I used to always tell people, I have the blood pressure of a teenager. Well, you can only say that so long. (laughs) Eventually, your age is going to catch up with you. Um, And so it never occurred to me that I had high blood pressure. I just had had a headache that wouldn't seem to go away, but I knew that I I hadn't typically had headaches. I don't get headaches. And so my daughter said, you need to check your blood pressure. And I was like, I have the blood pressure of a teenager. I do not need to check my blood pressure. (laughs) Never mind. I'm totally different than I was when I was a teenager. Um, And you know how they have those free things at the grocery store. I went and had my blood pressure checked. And I said, oh, your machine must be broken. So um, I made my daughter drive me to some other stores and it was still high. And so I ended up in the emergency room and it was high. And the first thing they did was check my uh, kidneys. And I remember the emergency room doctor telling me, you're really lucky that you have no kidney damage. And so, you know, it's just a reminder that it can really be anyone at any time. Yes. Um, but if we're not going to the doctor regularly and we're not being screened and no one's taking your blood pressure on a regular basis, blood pressure has no symptoms. And I don't think everybody even gets um, a headache with that. And then things like your blood sugar, those blood sugar levels can change at any time. So even if you've had normal blood sugar, it doesn't mean you'll have that next year or the year after. So, and those things can start very early in life. So um, it would seem to me, um, after listening to what everybody has to say, is that seeing our doctor regularly can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So um, I want to ask you, Gina, after you got your kidney transplant, I guess this is actually for both of you. Um, what is that recuperation process like? Uh, does it take a long time? The thing about it was that I got my kidney transplant, well, November 9th, but then COVID started. And so it was all just like meshed together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it was it was a long to me it was long mm-hmm. um, because again my kids had to come and do stuff and mm-hmm. um, were you immediately off dialysis after you get a kidney yeah oh yeah well that's pretty awesome but there are other things that you're on yes. like I was never on insulin my diabetics my diabetes was controlled by my diet. And so as long as I ate the right things and 
my A1C wasn't, you know, high and things like that, I was not medicated for my diabetes. And so I was good. Now I take insulin every day. Oh. Um, and sometimes I have to take it two or three times a day. It depends on my number. So oh. I have, I, you know, when I go and do my meds and all that, I said, oh, it's time for me to do my CNA duties because <laughs> that's what it feels mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to take my temperature. Um, I have to take my blood pressure. Um, I have to stick myself to check my blood sugar. Um, I have all these pills. I probably take about 19 pills each morning. I'm down to uh, 12 <laughs> bottles okay. of uh, medicine mm-hmm. now. Uh, I remember my first transplant in 2002. I came home. I couldn't believe I must have had 22 bottles of medicine yeah. uh, for uh, blood pressure, for cholesterol yep. for anti-rejection yep. for iron you yep. just you name it, it uh, and, and it's slowly you know over a period of time you you know unless you have a perfect match and you still will have take some medications but the medication list uh, dwindles a bit uh, but it is uh, something that you have to make part of your daily regimen mm-hmm. uh, my recovery time this time around as opposed to the first time uh, was about the same. I'm I'm kind of a. I've been through uh, major, many major surgeries in my life, and uh, so I kind of I bounced back pretty quick. I I sat around the house for maybe maybe a good three four weeks, and and after that I was I was up doing things. But it uh, it takes a while. City Links for the past 11 years. Is that correct, Juanita? That is correct. I want to ask you a little bit about a kidney screening. If I were to be screened, what could I expect? Uh, For the screening, you would do um, a blood, a urine analysis, as well as blood testing. If they find from your screening that you do have uh, a form of kidney disease, uh, they will talk with you privately, and then that information will be will be shared with your private physician. There can be a lot of fear around looking into things that have to do with your health. Uh, right. Sometimes we just rather not know, um, but in this case, not knowing can be really dangerous because it seems like there's a lot of things that can be done to help prevent damage to your kidneys. Correct. Um, and unfortunately, in, in the Black community, um, we seem to be lacking when it comes to sharing of information, when it comes to um, treatment in the medical uh, arena. Um, it just seems to be a disparity. And so when we decided to take on this initiative, that was one of the things that we wanted to um be able to do was share information, share websites that people can go to um, to educate themselves on kidney disease, know the signs to look for uh, when it comes to kidney disease, and ultimately find treatment if you are affected by kidney disease 
provide resources for people to, you know, be able to turn to if they are, as I said, affected by kidney disease. What are some of those uh, resources that people might look for? If people are looking for information and they uh, want a website to be directed to, they can go to blackcare.com um, and it and care is spelled with a K. So it's B-L-A-C-K-K-A-R-E dot org. Um, and they can find information about kidney disease on that website. that surprised me was that uh, they don't take your kidney out and put another kidney in. Um, (laughs) They just add it to the kidneys that are already in your body. So I thought that was fascinating. That was something that I did not know um, before. Um, And uh, I believe it was Kenneth who said that they put your kidney in your stomach? Yeah, in your, in your mm-hmm. or stomach area, yes. That's where, yeah. They move things around and- Yeah, and find a place. Find a, find a pocket. Mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness for um, the advances oh, in yes. medicine um, that have you uh, both here with us, both people that give a lot to the community um, in spite of what you have been through health-wise and we appreciate that i and everyone else are rooting for the best of health for both of you um and uh, i hope that your next kidney comes sooner rather than later yes ma'am and uh we are wishing and praying for your good health thank you so much for sharing your story with us today thank you for having us If you'd like to learn some more information about Love Girls Magazine, or maybe you even want to get involved, you can visit lovegirlsmagazine.com. And of course, we want to extend a huge thank you to WVIK for their partnership in making this podcast possible. And you, we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning into another episode of Love Girls the Podcast, where every girl has a story and our stories matter.